Okay, guys, it's 2023. What does that mean? Well, as much as I may want to resist going with the ye old New Year's resolutions, I do find that in January, I have a renewed sense of energy and desire to make some changes and get back on or just get on for the first time, the horse of health and well-being. Now, in the midst of our seventh season of Heal, I wanted to check in with you, my audience. What do you need now in your healing journey? What are your goals? What are you struggling with, dealing with, or even resigned to that you don't think will ever change? What has been there lingering in the background that you just don't want to drag into yet another year? I want to hear from you. I want to connect and be sure that we are delivering on the topics of information and inspiring stories to support you in your healing journey. When Kendra and I first crafted the idea for Heal, it definitely came out of my personal desire to put as much goodness and possibility of health and healing out into the world. And not actually here just to entertain you. My true heart's desire is that this show makes a difference in your life and supports you to take action to live health and heal. Also, I want to be sure that you know, I have a comprehensive deep dive medical health consulting practice where I meet with my clients virtually from all over the world, and I have room for you. Many people ask me if I'm taking new clients, and while I love that y'all think I'm book solid 100% of the time, actually, I want you to know I am available. I offer a free 30-minute exploration conversation to anyone interested in working with me to learn more about each other and how my approach may make a difference for you. Commonly, I work with people dealing with hormone issues, gut and digestive issues, chronic fatigue, autoimmune disorders, mold toxicity, chronic allergies, migraine headaches, insomnia, and people who have dealt with chronic anxiety and depression looking to support their body's biochemistry in addition to healing their emotional and mental challenges. While that may seem like quite a list, most of those diseases are connected and disorders are connected. So we will bridge the gap to bring it all together to elevate your health and your well-being and get your life back. I have a deeply intuitive and scientific-based approach. Yes, both. I bridge the worlds of coaching, spiritual energy healing, and doctoring to bring you the best tools you need to get your life and your health back as efficiently and effectively as possible. The early months of the new year come with an increasing light each day, bringing new vision, new motivation, and new energy. As the seeds you planted last summer and fall, deep beneath the soil are slowly waking up and gathering their power to sprout new futures this spring. This is the perfect time to take new action and create health and a pathway to healing. I'm here for you. If you have felt called to find out more about the possibility of working together, please reach out on my Connect page of my website, sarahmarshallnd.com, and let's talk. Also, please contribute to the show with guest ideas or topic ideas or how-to guides or whatever it is that is going to make a difference for you this year in 2023. What do you want to learn about? What do you want to know about? What are you dealing with? You can shoot us an email on that same page of my website, sarahmarshallnd.com slash connect. I love you guys. Heal wouldn't exist without you. Thanks so much. Welcome to Heal. On today's episode, counselor Gail Wilmore and I tackle the issue of reducing our stress and explore how the vagus nerve may be the key to unlocking the mind-body connection. We know stress is a major issue in health, healing, and happiness, and yet when your doctor says, just reduce your stress, what the heck can you actually do about that? Turns out, polyvagal theory may be just the key to unlocking the actual physiologic reality to healing trauma, embodying our emotions, and how we can live from the experience of connection, belonging, and love to do just that, be less stressed, and still live full, busy, kick-ass lives. Gail is a licensed associate counselor. She earned her master's of arts degree in clinical mental health at Northwestern University. And prior to her studies in counseling, transitioned from a 20-year career in finance and a 10-year career in self-development as a leader in the field of ontology. Gail is certified in the principles and practice of polyvagal theory clinically and a certified hypnotherapist and is committed to bringing awareness of emotion and regulation to the work of psychotherapy in the healing process. Join us. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Marshall. 
Well, this is awesome. Thank you, Gail, so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It's a real privilege to have this conversation with you. Yeah, I am pretty stoked about where we can go today. And for a little context, you received your master's in mental health from Northwestern University, your licensed associate mm-hmm. counselor, and you've been working with, in particular, adult women with complex trauma, and that's full-time, yes. day in, day out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's my population. I love working with adult women and especially once they've lived a bit of their life and being able to go back and work and heal trauma complex typically, but there are one event traumas too, that I do work with women who've been in combat, who have had some trauma from that particular angle, but mostly it's interpersonal and it's kind of the day in day out personal trauma that I work with most often. And a lot of them who have complex trauma and have had one, one event traumas, you know, I haven't seen too many women who haven't had some form of interpersonal trauma like that. So anyway, and I go keep talking no, about all that stuff. Great. Well, <laughs> but, and, and that's, yeah. so some of why I wanted to particularly have this conversation with you was I had the privilege mm-hmm. to hear you lecture or present about polyvagal yeah. theory, which you also have a certification mm-hmm. with polyvagal theory. And yes. I had just started to hear about it through studying Gaber Mate's work, which I've talked about mm-hmm. him a lot on the podcast. And he's a extraordinary physician that has really been bridging the gap between childhood and adulthood, trauma, complex trauma, yep. PTSD, complex PTSD, and the interconnection to chronic illnesses, particularly yeah. autoimmune disease, cancer, and things along those lines. Although as a naturopathic physician, I see it in all my clients, in all aspects, because there's a direct relationship to how we experience the world as safe or not safe, how we experience our relationships, and then how we take care of ourselves due to self-esteem, self-worth, self-value. So why we eat the way we eat isn't just simply because it was what was modeled to us. There's all Mm -hmm. kinds of things. And then like, just to throw a bunch of, of research out, you know, I'm working my way through Hacking of the American Mind, which is a book by Robert Lustig. And he is a pediatric endocrinologist. So essentially, he's spent mm-hmm. his career working with young children getting adult complex diseases like diabetes, right? Uh-huh. And and how many yep. young children are getting fatty liver disease and diabetes, and they are, you know, consuming the standard American diet and or even beyond the standard American diet. And the half of the book goes into detail about dopamine versus serotonin and our chase for dopamine, the pleasure seeking, Mm -hmm. and how the processed food industry is, my words, literally complicit in the amount of chronic illness that we have today because of the way that they have PhDs in science who are actively working on how to make the foods addictive and that that they don't provide the nutritional value we need. And there's all sorts of wreaking havoc of inflammation and and insulin issues in the body. They are actually seeing children with dementia that we always Mm. thought was age related. And Mm. we've actually discovered it's insulin related. It's the impacts of insulin and how it degrades the white matter and alters the brain format. And, and I mean, like I can only imagine the world he's been in. So he went on to actually get his JD and he went to law school because he's realized that he's not going to be able to alter this unless he can alter policy. Mm, So extraordinary man. Right. And, and, where this all links into what you do or what you've shared about in that lecture with polyvagal theory is the thing that has fascinated me and also I've been interested in to make a difference with my clients is, okay, we know stress (laughs) impacts Mm -hmm. our health and and our disease states, but I even as a physician have not been really taught what do I, what can I do about that for my people, for my clients, for my patients, yeah. for myself, other than be like, Hey, don't be stressed. Like, yeah, right. I mean, and, <laughs> right. and, and especially like <laughs> the last 20 years and what's coming down the lines with climate change. And no matter yeah. what side of the fence you are with politics, the way that politics have been going and, you know, the amount of, I mean, we could go on the amount of school shootings, the yeah. amount of like, I mean, the pandemic of the last three years, like, I don't think, I mean, so many of my clients complain of brain fog and memory loss and lo- word loss. And I suspect, and there's a little bit that's starting to be right about written about this is that 
we were under far more physiologic stress through the pandemic, even though we were at home mm-hmm. in quarantine, seemingly in less stress in some ways because of the the cultural complexity of it all. So yeah, how do we address this? Is there, do we have a shot? <laughs> Is there a way to start to work <laughs> with, you know, stress as the way that it impacts our physiology? It pushes us towards dopamine seeking things, which pushes us towards addiction, yeah. which pushes us towards, you know, all sorts of challenges to our physical health and then the culture that we're in, and then there's the lives that we've lived. And one of the other areas I saw that it started to interconnect was polyvagal theory, because it's literally the bridge of our physiology through our vagus nerve and our, you can probably say this better, but like our perception of what's happening around us and our emotional state and regulating our emotions. That's Okay. That's now what I know. So I'm going to turn it over to you. (laughs) (laughs) Very well said. That's exactly exactly it. Stephen Porges who's a medical doctor kind of happened upon this. And when he did, it, it kind of transformed how he saw medical health and how physicians want to interact with the human body people, right? And how they experience stress and how the body reacts. And, and then it then kind of shifted how we saw addictions, how we saw mental health, how we want to work with people with trauma, either whether it be, you know, complex PTSD, PTSD, complex trauma, because what he discovered was how that vagus nerve brings in information and how we actually can now bring like what we call perception to neuroception. So it's something that's under our awareness. So like when you said, yes, less stress, how do we do that? And, And the reason that feels that way, like, because it's all under our awareness. It's information that has not even reached our conscious mind yet. Mm. So how do you how do you alter something that you don't have any conscious awareness of, right? But is necessary for not just our it's necessary for our survival, our autonomic nervous system and how we perceive information. So polyvagal is working with that nerve that runs from the base of our brain down all the way through to our lower half. And it connects all of our organs and it's, it's our, you know, and everybody knows this when it comes to promote the most part, fight, flight and freeze response and how that's all been developed. It brings in all that information and it's trying to survey our environment to make sure we're safe without us even being aware it's happening. And that's where our experience of how we can shift and feel connected actually has us feel the safety we need. But when we don't have our, if we have no awareness of this, when something's happening, we can't intervene to shift how we feel and experience something. And so in this, this, this particular nervous system piece is being developed in utero from nine months through 18 months, mostly it's all implicit. It's all happening without words and it's all with our, our senses. So we've had little access to it, which is why it's so cool. So when I learned about this, I was like, this seems like, I hate to say holy grail about things because I don't think there's any, but I was like, this, it's this piece here. It's up there. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. It's up there. And part of why, like, you know, so as a naturopath, everything's about the gut, the gut, the gut, the gut, the gut, the gut. And, and we see so many things that people deal with, you know, chronic joint pain, fibromyalgia, you know, all sorts of chronic, just not feeling good in your body, even if it doesn't have a disease name, like I just don't feel low energy and I don't feel good. And I'm exhausted at the end of my day and I poor concentration. Well, a big piece of that goes back to the gut on both sides of absorption of the nutrition that you're eating, you know, so then you got to work on what are you actually putting in your body? And is that Mm -hmm. in alignment with our best health? But then there's also the microbiome has gotten a lot of attention in the last 10 to 15 years or, and more, but it's gotten louder. And how our gut bugs alter inflammation and and immune system regulation, which goes into yep. autoimmunity and goes into susceptibility of chronic infections. But there's this piece that as I, total full disclosure, as I inundate people with supplements and probiotics and work on their you know hydrochloric acid of their stomach, it's like I'm fighting, I literally feel like I'm spitting in the ocean trying to change the tides. Mm-hmm. And you kind of are what's there is this vagus nerve yep. when it's 
in fight or flight or freeze, it shuts off digestion. It stops peristalsis. It decreases the amount of stomach acid you're producing. It doesn't let the pancreas actually produce the digestive enzymes. And you increase cortisol levels, which we're already, you know, using all the time, which suppresses the immune system. And so we, I mean, which if the tiger is chasing you, that makes sense. But right. But now it's It's like day in, day out all the time. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's right. Because if you've had any kind of complex trauma or big traumas, your autonomic nervous system and, and why it's even more detrimental with complex and it's because it's interpersonal and that's how the vagus nerve works. It's that it is designed to connect and survive at the same time. So if you, if your nervous system is inundated when you're younger, that and it's trying to read under awareness and trying to sense if it's, you know, you're safe and you keep getting information put in to your body because it's in the body. That's where 80% it's afferent. It comes in through the body, goes up to your brain and gets processed. So if you're ongoingly being inundated that the world is not safe at a very young age, then it sh- your, your system is being shaped to be what we call like a home away from home where you're designed to be in connection. That's actually your design. That's how we thrive. Thriving for human beings is also survival, but it's also the way we experience the world in connection. And if we're not connected, then we are literally, we are, we've cut off that ability to thrive and we need other, we need other people for that. That is how we live in, 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 and expand and grow. Growing is in the connection to others. And if that's not experienced as safe, then you've literally, you're now sitting in fight, flight, or freeze most of your time. And that's your home away from home versus ventral vagal, your heart to, to bring connection with others. And that's where you feel safe, peaceful, calm, available, and it's, and so when I talk about it, cause then people think, oh, I should always be in connection. That's not the way it works, right? You're designed to be in connection as kind of your baseline place. And if the, if you've had a secure experience of attachment with people, then that's online most of the time. And it's, it only goes offline when something really, really terrifying is happening to you. Like you are in an event where you need to fight a car accident, right? You know, but most uh, of that, yeah, exactly. That's right. Yep. And so when you're feeling safe in the world, you're safe with yourself and others, then you, when you use your sympathetic nervous system, like we are right now, we're doing that right now and interacting with each other. We're, we're, we're in action. It's the, I can part of you. I can do whatever you're doing then, but you feel safe. Whereas if you don't feel safe in a point of normal, mild, moderate stress, because all you're doing is you're in your fight fight. And, and my, and what I'm experiencing is you as unsafe, but I'm doing something that I do every day. Right. But I feel, I experience you as safe. I experience that we have a connection. So I feel like, yes, I'm in action, but I'm safe in the background. And so that's what we're looking for when we say that baseline of connection and safety. And if you've had that, then you're able to do all the things you, you're you designed to do from day to day, right? Dorsal being parasympathetic, which is like ventral vagal, but at the base of us, right? The spine of us, and that's collapse, right? That's called like you literally want to protect yourself from what's happening and that's where it's an I can't, but when you're connected, you're using your dorsal, you're using that collapse piece of yourself in sex. When you're nursing a baby, you just literally, your body slows down, but you're feeling safe and connected. So when you're feeling safe and connected in sex, you're using dorsal during that time. So I like to put that in because you're supposed to be using your whole entire polyvagal your whole entire it's um, not like one's good and one's bad exactly and this is right that's this right is wrong right None they're of that. all that's they right. all are of service to us and they all have positive benefits and then when we get yes. stuck or trapped somewhere though that's yep. yeah that's when the problem happens clear yeah. it's yep so i love that i love that making that point that you know it's like I say this about our emotions. We have all the emotions for a reason. They all serve us and they're yeah. all useful and and they all actually have very important healthful expression. And so, of course, that would make sense as well here. And so just to kind of go through it, because this is what, you know, we have sympathetic, 
which is what we're often, you know, is more commonly understood of like the fight and flight side. Mm -hmm. And then Dorsey, which you've talked about, is the freeze or shut down, dissociation, numbness. But like you said, we use Dorsey also in sex and, you know, lovemaking and connection and breastfeeding are sometimes where we go there as well. And then there's also the like connection. Yeah, so let me. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just give you a little hierarchical piece because I don't want to get too much in the weeds, like too much information, yeah. but just to kind of give a, an idea. So how our autonomic nervous system, which is connected with the vagus nerve. So it's from the base of the, the brain all the way down. And it's, it connects all your organs, major organs, this nerve, right. And it's, it's always giving information. So it, and it, it was the way we learned how to survive the dorsal, which is at the underneath your diaphragm is our first mechanism of survival that was developed, you know, I don't know how many hundreds of millions of years ago, but that was collapse freeze, right? And so that was designed so that we could, you know, be able to survive the bear attack, right? Like, and it's, and when you're in dorsal, it's, it's when it's eminent threat. That means you, you're facing death and collapse. So, and that's the first piece. Then a couple hundred million years later, our sympathetic and sorry, just to make sure everyone gets this dorsal is parasympathetic. Sympathetic is our fight flight. That's diaphragm up to the heart. That's the middle of your body where the stomach is. And that's where, you know, you're, you know, when you're in fight flight, all the blood goes to your limbs, right? Your arms and legs. So you can literally fight or you can run away. And that was the second kind of piece of the puzzle when it comes to our survival. So now we had, we have collapse, we have fight flight. We have three ways to survive. And in fight flight, it's not imminent death, but there's a threat. So you're going to try that, you know, you're going to try to get away first. And then if you can't get away, you're going to feign death. Then, and again, this is hierarchical. We then now as humans, we have the heart to brain connection and that's ventral vagal and ventral vagal. And this is all again, part of the vagus system is that is connection. So that's how we learn to survive as a third mechanism. Not every species has species has that, but we do. And so we connection as a piece of our survival part. So is that like bridge into attachment theory? Exactly. That bridges into we've talked about that in some other episodes. So yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And so you're you're designed to actually connect first to be able to sort out if you're safe. And so that's when what I was saying from nine months to 18 months, it's being really developed at that point. And it's all happening implicitly because we don't have language yet. So we're learning if we're safe through our connection from the face to the heart with the way we look at human beings, right? Other human beings. So it's, it's, it's a connection, probably, you know, you think about the vagus nervous, it's, it's a, it's connection. It's all connection. And as far as the ventral piece, that's why we coo, ooh, and ah so naturally when we Mm. see babies, even when we see dogs, like, oh, like it's happening because that is what we're saying. You're safe, right? That is the main point. And if you're getting that kind of experience around you, your nervous system is getting shaped to safety if you've had a safe environment. And so you then can trust. And so, and even if from a mental health perspective, when we think about development, the first stage of the development for human beings is trust, mistrust. And this is from Eric Erickson's model. And so your autonomic nervous system is doing most of that work before you're even speaking. So if you have had a lot of traumatic events or you've had ACEs where we talk about adverse childhood events, what you're learning, what your autonomic nervous system is experiencing under, again, awareness, because it needs to know this quickly. It doesn't need, well, your ventral vagal does have that brain connection, but when you're in, your, your autonomic nervous system is trying to figure out if you're safe before you even know you are, because it needs to know that, right? So it can get out of the situation. So that's the conundrum because- People are like, you can't process trauma that hasn't been processed through your body first. If you think about body mm. keeps the score with Basil van der Kerk, yeah. Hulk, right? There's, there, there's a reason because if you've had enough danger cues and you feel like you literally are needing fight flight to get out of the situation or freeze and collapse or, 
perform. What happens is the you don't need any connection to your brain. So it literally shuts down off at that amygdala piece. And then all you're doing is you're in fight, fight or freeze because that's what you need to do right now. You don't need to process through the brain. Think about, come up with, yeah. yeah. You don't have to think about strategies. Your body's like, let's, let's do this now. And that's the brilliance of it. But it's also when you've had trauma, like people have experienced, it's also the issue is because your autonomic nervous system doesn't know what's safe and not safe anymore. And so you're off to races and it does, it affects all your digestive, it affects your immune system. We know that physiologically. So when you want to bring safety to your life, that literally will be part of the process of reducing stress and also the things you're dealing with when you say you feel like you're going upstream, right? So safety is really important. And what we know is it's not about decreasing danger cues. So if you've had a lot of danger cues in your life because of trauma, you're not trying to get those to go away. What you're doing is increasing safety cues. And when you can increase safety cues, your autonomic nervous system begins to shift to realize it's not in danger all the time. It's not in the dangerous place it used to be. But until you shift that, it doesn't know that. So you could be out of a traumatic situation now. You may be moved on from some of the things you've experienced as a child, but your autonomic nervous system doesn't know that because it's under awareness. So what we're doing is bringing some perception to it. And I can kind of give an example of my own life about how this looked for me, which until I had words to put to it, I was like, oh, that's what was happening, right? Like, so do you have any other questions about what I just said? Well, I have so many questions, but this is so okay. good. <laughs> but, you know, okay. what what it brings to mind is I've had some clients who come to me that if, you know, if you ask them, have you ever experienced, you know, trauma? I mean, that's that's yeah. still a question that I think a lot of people are like, well, no, you know, and or mm-hmm. or I won't even necessarily mm-hmm. always ask that question so directly. I I have a a way of interviewing where I just say, "Tell me about your childhood." Yes. And as a doctor, they're always like, do you mean, did I get sick? And I'm like, whatever you want to share, I let it be really open. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're like, oh, I had ear infections and I had tubes or I did this or that. And sometimes they're like, they share their experience of their childhood. But again, this is a place Mm -hmm. where it really depends on how much work somebody's done to start Mm -hmm. to bring things to the present. Because I have lots and lots of people who are like, I don't know. And some are even like, I have almost no memories from my childhood. Like, I don't remember anything. My mom said this, this, and this, and that's it. And then the more I've been learning about these interconnections and noticing I've I've actually been working for myself and I've started to detect this with my clients where there's profound yeah. disassociation. Mm-hmm. And yep. they're like, I don't cry. I don't feel anything. I, I just am numb all the time. Like nothing yeah. really gets me going in any direction. And I, if I ask a little bit more about their history, they're like, no, I had a pretty normal childhood, everything. And, and my sense is, there's been significant disconnection. So like one of the things here too, is like, we're talking about people with complex trauma, but I think there's a lot of myself included. I would not have said I had complex trauma until I started to learn about all of this and then start to discover. And you've been using the term interpersonal. Can you say a little bit more Mm -hmm. about what that would like look like or mean on the court? Yeah. So interpersonal. So again, if you think about your autonomic nervous system as the designed to connect, right? Then that means it's interpersonal, right then and there. So it means connecting to others. So when you're talking about complex trauma, it's interpersonal. So the trauma is with others and it's happening more than one time. So even like when your parents fought as children, if some people did, I'm not saying everybody's did, but if that can be complex trauma because what your, your body is experiencing is unsafe you know, it's picking up danger cues that your parents are fighting and that's literally impacting your autonomic nervous system. So, you know, mine, my parents fought every day. Now I, if you think it's just normal, you might not see it as traumatic, but your body is picking up that this is not safe. I'm not safe. They're not safe. And so that is shaping how you experience yourself and others. And so you're now going to do and say and be ways to protect yourself. And that's what a lot of defense mechanisms are. That's what fight, flight and freeze is. It's a protective piece, but it's protecting you from things that you may not need to be protected from anymore, but you're, you don't know that anymore because you're not in the same environment. Does that make sense? So it's like, yep. that's why yep. adverse, adverse child uh, events 
such as that kind of just a daily experience can be traumatic, but we haven't been looking at it like that. Right. Uh, but I don't think we also understood what it's doing to our bodies until recently. Well, and that's, I think, been a really key piece for my own healing. And I've been seeing it more and more, which is like, I have chosen as a way of working through my healing to stand inside of that my body never lies. Yeah, my body yeah, always yeah. tells me the truth about situations. Always I have twenty years plus my childhood, but of adulthood, of training myself to ignore yeah. when my body's telling me something's off. Mm. This doesn't quite feel right. I don't know about yeah. this. I'm not sure that I'm. You know, and a big area for me was through my sexuality. And some of that was normal cultural stuff of being a girl born in the 80s and how I was raised around sexuality. And some of it came from some actual specific traumatic events that I didn't even know that I had until later on where I I actually did work and uncovered suppressed memories of being molested when I was a child. And that set up a whole relationship to my body, myself, and my sexuality that all of my sexual development was built on top of that I'm now starting to see. And one of the ways I've been healing is by actually defaulting to my body is telling me the truth and it's my job to figure out what it's communicating. And when I say the truth, it doesn't mean like the danger cues are all correct. But if I'm Mm -hmm. feeling something in my body, I start with the assumption that my body's not lying to me and I explore from there. Am I really unsafe? What else is going on? What do I need to communicate? What could I say now in terms of a boundary or a request that I didn't have the words and the ability to say before, right? But that whole thing, it's just been blowing my mind how much like our culture is like, you know, power through, ignore, no pain, no gain, like all of these things that are ingrained in us that's literally been sending us off in the opposite direction. And then I'm studying spirituality. Oh, go ahead. Oh, because I'm going to just address a couple of things about that because I think it's really poignant. And I wanted to say something earlier when you said it, but I want to also make sure it's not generalized. So when you say people don't remember things, yeah, there's a reason they don't remember it, especially if they've had complex trauma. And that's because it never reached the brain to get processed. It's in the body, right? It was an experience because you're experiencing something. And then if it's too, it's, if it's un, something you've never experienced before and it's stressful outside mild to moderate stress, your body literally doesn't need, it won't process it. It doesn't get to your middle brain to get to mm. your prefrontal cortex to actually process the information. It shuts it down. It says unsafe amygdala shuts off and it's now in your body. So there's, a, there's, yeah. So that there's a, a, a probably 75, 80, maybe 90% of the people I work with, when we start with their timeline, there is a huge chunk they don't remember. And so, and that's not an accident, but I also want to say, because you don't remember you had trauma. That's not what we're saying. Got it. Right. It's so not autumn, be real know, careful it, about that. Yeah, clear. Yes. Good. Good. But it can be an indication. Yeah. So yeah. you listening to your body is super important because some of the things, if you, that's where you can, because it doesn't lie. The body does not lie. The emo, what you're experiencing is important to pay attention to. And then look to see again, like you said, am I safe? Am I not safe? Yes, I'm safe. Okay. Then what's this experience? What is it? What, why is this here? And then that's where you explore that with somebody where you can start to see those pieces. Like you said, now I have some remembrance of what happened to me when I was a child that you could not remember. And there's a reason you couldn't remember, right? Because it was, there's usually secrets around that. There's a whole world, but you're, you didn't even get to get it to your brain to process anyway. So there's not a lot of memories and that's where paying attention to what your body is experiencing is the most important piece to healing any kind of trauma, because it doesn't get processed like regular information. Yeah, that that's been one of the biggest things that's just been, I mean, literally life changing in the last yeah. three years. As I've been like, like I've you know I've been on this whole journey. <laughs> if you mm. want to explore healing, start a podcast that is a giant inquiry <laughs> into how do we heal and what's the innate nature of healing, and yeah. then watch yourself go through it. I mean, like I, I people who've listened to many of the episodes just know a lot about me now because I'm just like, oh my gosh! But it's been this, yeah. It, yeah, it's been this journey. And, and that's been one of the biggest, uh, saying an aha doesn't even begin. It, it, it yeah. just was literally like it altered my whole world. 
And I've been working on building trust with my body, like my conscious mind, thinking Mm -hmm. mind and my body and that we can trust each other and and that Mm -hmm. my body can trust me and I can trust my body. And like, it sounds Mm -hmm. funny kind of, but I -hmm. I have my clients even look at like, if your body was a member of your family and not you, how would your relationship be? Do you talk to it at all? Do you just Mm -hmm. berate it? Like what, what is the communication like? And, you know, usually I'm looking at it from a physical level, but all of these other aspects of our, our emotional relationship has come up. So you were headed in the direction of talking about an example from your own life where you started to work through this and recognize how to go from, it's not about decreasing the danger cues exactly as increasing the safety cues. Cause I'd love to get some, like, how do we start to navigate this? What can we actually do to grow, to heal through this process. Yeah, that's good. So, you know, my, when I, one of the most traumatic events in my life was I was five years old and my, my mom passed away of a massive heart attack in the middle of the night. And of course at five, you already have developmental challenges to understanding what that means. And so I kind of, I lived for a while, like everyone else was wrong and that she's coming back. Of course, like she's not going to she wouldn't leave me like I'm the center of the universe at that age. And so it was a bit like disorienting when I finally realized that she wasn't. And it took oh, probably a good year or two before I realized that. And my dad, you know, it was the seventies, you know, even my mom's grandmother was like, you have to get married, married. You can't be a single dad, you know, like, so he had started the process of that next relationship. And by the time I was ready to talk about it, he was like, oh, honey, you know, you really can't talk about it. We're moving on. You're, you know, and he had his own limitations like we all do. Right. And for him, it just seemed like such a betrayal to even have any more conversations, which of course I shut down and got really upset. Well, first of all, I got angry and upset and then I shut down. <laughs> I didn't know how that worked until I was like way into adulthood. And so I never talked about it anymore. And in fact, I didn't talk or experience many feelings after much of that happened. And I had an eating disorder in college. And it all started to make sense as looking back, that because I couldn't experience my feelings and emotions after that, that I was literally just doing anything I could behaviorally to tap those feelings down, right. But So I did a lot of work, moved past that, was pretty healthy as an adult, and I got I had been married, got divorced, did a lot of self-growth during that time. And when I got remarried, felt pretty pretty good in our our marriage for the first 15 years. Like the things that came up, I felt like we could work through. I still had a lot of ways I was being that I didn't even see until later after really working through from a polyvagal perspective of the ways I was acting that actually weren't necessary (laughs) over those 15 years. But the major things in life, we really had a way to work through it. But then once my dad died, I was 45 and he passed away and I had made a request of Jeff, my husband at that time to come be with me. And he said he couldn't. And I was really, really, really upset, like off the charts. My whole body was just like so angry and like six months had passed. And I was still really mad. Like I could not get through this. I was so angry. And I was like, we have got to go see a therapist, like, or I don't know if we're going to get, you know, we'd be together in a month. Like I'm really that mad. And so we were, I was doing some work with this therapist and she was amazing. And he did his work. I did my work. And finally I got to that. There was a seven-year-old talking to her husband after her dad died. Right. Mm. Because that's where I was stuck emotionally and in my trauma and I couldn't, and, and he didn't respond the way I wanted him to, just like my dad didn't. And I didn't know any of this. All I knew was I was really, 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 really mad and upset. And, you know, I couldn't move through that. And so when my therapist asked me to start to name the feelings of that seven-year-old and what it was like for her and start to really love that little girl and give her the things that she needed that her dad could not give her at that time, all of a sudden my autonomic nervous system shifted Mm -hmm. and I was back connected to myself and my heart expanded and I felt calm. And yes, did I want my husband to do something that he didn't do yes was that upsetting for me yes and 
I got what was so, what was really at the core of it? What was the, the, the wound? And when I got that, I could forgive Jeff and also make more requests because what I became in my life was kind of wantless and needless, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't true. I have lots of wants and needs and there were things to make requests about and boundaries to put in place and start to honor myself in a way that I hadn't before. But I, that was the healing part, right? And so I, I spent a lot of my time, even with Jeff in my marriage, now looking back, for which I have to manage, like my dad was, like, oh, he's not safe, even though he was safe in many ways. And so now I can start to see where I, even today, if there's something that feels reactivating beyond it's like it doesn't match what's happening and that's the way you could start to see it like like you said earlier in this moment with this person am i safe and if you can answer that as accurate but you feel unsafe because that doesn't make any difference you feel unsafe still then there's some trauma there probably from the past that, that you you could heal and that's where you could kind of get a toehold in because really nothing that has ever happened between jeff and i has been unsafe but my yep. body hasn't known that, you know, so that yeah. makes sense. And, and, and once you heal that, then you're able to kind of see things from a connective place. Every time you heal a wound like that, you, then it brings you back into safety and connection with yourself and others. So what are some of, I mean, for sure, finding and working with a therapist who has this. Can I just say one more thing? I'm so sorry, but I realize this is also important. You won't know it coming up until it comes up. Like I didn't know that was still Mm. there. I had no idea until my dad died. And then I realized I had to grieve and all this stuff. Right. So give yourself a break to you. It it comes when it comes, when those pieces of life happen that you, it's now time to heal something. So just know that. No, that's really good. And I I can reflect that from my own life too, of like, yeah. And then all of a sudden here I am working on this layer and I'm like, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, Good. Yeah. So what are some of your favorite tools or things that people can access to start to build that safety? So say they notice here I am in X situation having Y reaction to it. And I can yeah. really see the disparity between the two. Like I, I haven't investigated this all the way down, but I notice I have a particular sensitivity to lying. I mean, mm. nobody likes to be lied to, right? But my yeah. reactions when I discover a lie <clears throat> can be a little disproportionate <laughs> <like that>. to <laughs> the actual events that have occurred, right? Yeah. And and when someone's like, they say something they didn't know, I'm fine with that. It's when there was like a blatant yeah. cover up. And I've yeah. not actually investigated fully where it comes from, but I can at least observe in myself, okay, yes. this thing that's happening sh- should, quote unquote, be something like a three or a four out of 10 of like, okay, that's not great. But, and I'm at like an 11 yes. of, of yes. my whole, my yep. whole world is threatened. Everything's mm-hmm. going to fall apart. If this happened, then nothing like, I mean, it's, it's astronomical. This is really good. I have some new things to bring to my therapist. It's fantastic. And I've seen it in several different situations with somebody I was dating with a family member. There's been a couple different places. It's come up a lot. So one, I do have a therapist and she's actually trained in EMDR and we bring that skill set to some of the work that I'm doing. I actually yep. leaned into working with a somatic therapist and I think they're probably extraordinary. It was too much for me. Like mm. it was bringing yep. up so much. It was so intense every session. And yeah. and I'm usually a like throw me in the shark tank, deep end of the pool kind of a girl. And so one of the things I've been yeah. learning is to take care of my body is to slow it down. And so the EMDR sessions have been really interesting because I kind of like my, my, my frontal cortex self, my egoic self is like, well, that didn't really do much. Like that was kind of (laughs) easy and boring and lame, but my nervous system is like, oh, thank God. Cause I have a tendency to take everything to the extreme. So I've been just whittling away and whittling Mm -hmm. away and taking this piece and this piece and this piece. And I always feel very regulated and safe and at peace at the end of my sessions, which has been really good for me, but there's all these different tools out there. And then are there any thing you can share? Like somebody doesn't have a therapist or they're not yet ready to take that step. Where could they go Mm -hmm. with this? Mm -hmm. 
Well, I would recommend a book. It's called Anchored by Deb Dana. Just as a, it's a, it's a, it's a thin book, but it's packed with ways to anchor your, your autonomic nervous system and ventral vagal so you feel safe. She also has one that's called Safety and Connection and it's things you can do. It's more of a therapist book, but it also has some really great exercises in it that I think 50, I think it's 50 or more exercises where you can bring contemplation or perception to your everyday activities to start to be able to get into your body and feel what you're feeling and notice what you're feeling and where. And those are really great ways to kind of build and shift your autonomic nervous system to be back in the connection with yourself. And, and like an everyday kind of practical way to bring yourself into connection is one is all going to be through your senses. We know scientifically that just looking at nature for five minutes shifts you back into connection. So if you're mm. feeling dysregulated and you're feeling overwhelmed, and when you're in overwhelm, you're usually shut down. When you're feeling, you know, like a feeling of just a sense of um, arousal, like you said, it's like at more at a 10, but it really doesn't warrant a 10. You're usually in sympathetic. And so when you're back to peace, you're feeling joy and connection and safety again. So just by looking at nature, you could get yourself back from collapse, sympathetic, back up to connection. And it, by the way, it is always hierarchical. So the further you're away, you have to go through your sympathetic nervous system to get back into connection. There's no skipping that. Just being able to be like, if you're like, feeling hopeless and in your collapse, if you went out into nature, and actually we know that fractal nature is the fastest way. That means like pineapple, a pineapple, the way, you know, it's a, it's a ratio kind of roses. People talk about the golden ratio. It's those kind of plants and nature that follow that exactly pine cones. You look at those agave, you look at those for, for any kind of time, even it can be just a picture. It doesn't have to be real nature. You'll That's shift cool. back in to your connection. Breathing, contemplative breathing is a way to do it. You can get on YouTube. There's some vagus nerve breathing that you could do with timing that helps you get back into connection with yourself and others. So those are just kind of quick ways to do it. But if you were to want to do some ex extra work, it would be starting to notice what you're feeling in your body. Like you said, get into your body, notice what you're feeling, name an emotion and name where it's at. And then yep. some, sometimes you kind of want to see if you have tears, what are the tears trying to say to you, right? Because your body's talking to you. So you want to pay attention. What is it saying to you? And then from there, if you want to do deeper work, I'd say you would want to work with a therapist um, yep. because they'll be able to do some parts work with you. They'll be able to bring some somatic experiencing into a, you know, a degree that works. And like, I love what you said, like, if you're, if you're, experience of being in your body is unsafe, especially if you've had any kind of physical trauma in your life. It's a hard thing to get. It's not easy to get in your body because mm -hmm. embodiment safety is, could be like the last thing you want to do. And that's where behaviors come in actually, because you use those behaviors to regulate because it's so unsafe to be in your body. And so you want to take it slowly, what you're doing, yeah. because it's, it's, you're regulating and a dysregulated experience. Physical activity you could do is like Tai Chi. Yoga also is very regulating. Anything that is using movement that has you be aware of what you're moving is really important to shift back in the connection as well. So a lot of work we do where I work is we have many different activities all designed to regulate like the Tai Chi or the yoga or I think of that art, art is regulating. So it seems kind of small, but those things actually music, music can be very regulating. And that makes sense because your inner ear was the very first way that it learned to notice if you were safe or not. So music very, it can shift you very quickly into connection again. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We actually, I had Dr. Denise Bosart who's a PhD, and she wrote a book from her own personal journey of healing incest and sexual abuse in her mm -hmm. childhood. And yeah. it really is a book of resources of like, here's what she did. Mm. And 
She Good. was happily married and her and her husband had gotten pregnant and she went to start yoga because she just had heard like doing yoga was good for pregnant moms. And after, right. you know, you give birth and what she didn't realize is she discovered how imperative it was for her in healing her relationship mm. to her body and her sexuality through that traumatic experience. And, you know, she talked about her journey from starting out with one-on-one therapy at first and then moving into some group practices that made a difference and then how important yoga actually became and reintegrating into it. And, and that's been something I've been very physical and athletic, but I can see where some aspects of my athleticism have been abuse against my body. Like I yes. would use it to either push myself too hard or I would use it to cover up the emotions and the feelings. If I just don't, I mean, my there favorite is yep. to stay busy. And yep. one of the things I've been challenging myself with in the last couple of years is a lot more spaciousness in my calendar. Mm. And it still drives me nuts. When I have too much space in my calendar, I cry. It's like one on one, but it's like all of those emotions that I otherwise suppress and don't allow to process and move through me. And I always say emotion as in energy and motion, and it needs yes. to move and it needs to flow and to let things flow. And then you can release and be done with it. And, you know, I have had decades of practices of suppress, 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 explode, suppress, 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 explode. Most of my explosions, because I grew up in a household where anger was very supported emotion to have. So I learned at a young age to just push everything into sadness. And so I will just weep and cry and despair. And I'm like, and now I have way more access to anger. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's good. You know, exactly. That's And my home away from home is definitely dorsal where I will go into dissociation, dormancy. And from the end, I've gotten to a point where from the outside world looking in, I look fine. Yeah. I look completely normal. But somebody who can feel in, which I now know is that Mm -hmm. co-regulation, they're like, you're not okay. You're all walled up and, and, you know, in that space. And I've been melting that part of myself. And there's been a lot of new anger as I've been moving into the sympathetic and discovering these other expressions. Mostly and not to other people. You back to connection. Yeah. yeah, but you need that anger to get you back yeah. to connection. And, and yeah. It's, yeah, absolutely. It serves a very wonderful purpose. And, in, and Peter Levine, he's one of our fellows where I work, and he was just talking about how for women, they're, you know, unfortunately, our society does not really promote healthy aggression. And healthy aggression is important for our experience of connection and feeling feeling uh, alive. And, and that's in the sympathetic. But so when men are kind of like, you know, like really like in action, it's like celebrated and we're supposed to, you know, be a certain way about, you know, oh, we don't do that. But actually it's it, when we cut that piece of us ourselves off and like you start with this conversation, all emotions are to be celebrated and explored because we are emotional beings first. Like yeah. you then have to do all kinds of different things with what is what is healthy and then it becomes maladaptive. And that's, you know, because in and of itself, all those, those particular feelings are an indication of something to pay attention to. But if you lived in a home where anger was not okay, then the rage unexpressed anger becomes rage. It has to come out somehow. And that's those explosions you're talking about. And so I think that's, what's really cool about like what we're learning is as we learn as human beings, we don't have to be afraid of those emotions. I think because we didn't know what to do with them, you know, our environment was like, don't do anything. Just don't have them, (laughs) but they're there. (laughs) And like, you have to dissociate. You have to eventually dissociate if you can't experience emotions. That's, you know, yeah. Where else are you going to go? Yeah. No. This has yeah. been so fantastic. And I just I really appreciate the depth and breadth of your knowledge and understanding with all of this. And I mean, when I first, you know, I had, like I said, I'd been familiar with polyvagal at a cursory level. And then I had the opportunity to hear you speak for, I think it was a couple hours. And I just like, it was hanging on every word and it was locking together a couple key pieces that you know, I've always spent a lot of time talking about the adrenal glands and cortisol and 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 our stress hormone response and how that alters things in our physiology and naturopaths working on the GI and gut health all the time. And, and then working with some clients where it's like, we, we work on the physical and work on the physical and work on the physical and work on the physical. And it's like, I just can't get them past this certain area. And now with all of this yeah. 
relatively new research. I would say at least it's more of the conversations are coming to the mainstream. Although, I mean, Peter Levine was a household name for me growing up in a Buddhist, you know, household. And we had sure. lots of his books around my whole upbringing, but it was, it's coming more into the mainstream conversations now, yeah. which is so brilliant. And I just really appreciate getting to highlight even more of that here. Cause I think this is a missing piece for a lot of people who are mm -hmm. really committed to curing chronic illness and healing their physical body. And they feel like they're like doing everything right and banging yes. their heads against the wall. And, and that's where I'm like, we've got to be willing, you know, my mentor, Dr. Tom talked about how there's the four primary organs of elimination, your skin, you sweat, you pee out of your kidneys, you, you know, have solid waste out of the colon, and then we breathe yeah. out of our lungs. But that the biggest organ of elimination that's the most suppressed in our society are the organs of emotion, like expressing yes. our emotions and letting them move through us. And that a lot, and there's more and more research on this, of physical illness is the culmination of all of those emotional stresses and traumas that have just been pushed down and suppressed and literally like built into coal, some of which are yeah. turning into diamonds of a sort. And we got to open those back up. And when that, I mean, I've been known to say to a few clients, like if you cried every day for the next year, you'd probably lose 50 pounds. Mm, yeah, that's right. That's right. Exactly. That's right. Because what we end up doing, if because you got to regulate these emotions some way, by the way, yeah. they don't just get to, so if you, you know, if you're in dorsal, that's where we found behaviors of like gambling come in because it gets you out of collapse, right? It gets mm. you back into sympathetic for a moment and it's temporary. And then you go back to collapse, right? What you're really trying to do is get to connection. But if you don't feel safe with people, you're in trouble until you yeah. start to change those cues, right? And realize that not everybody's dangerous. Some people are, not everybody is. So you got to, yeah, that's where the work of healing comes in. And then for, you know, anger, if you have that experience and you're not able to regulate that in connection with others safely because it wasn't okay, then you usually, you know, drink alcohol to suppress it, right? That's where substance use comes in. Mm -hmm. It's also where, so alcohol use and substance use is in sympathetic. You're trying to, if you're fight flight and you're worried and you're trying to get away all the time from something that's, you know, an experience of, of anxiety, then you're going to, you know, take, you know, some kind of like upper, usually some kind of the emotion. And that's where those things come into play. But what we're really designed to do is safely regulate all those emotions with others. And when someone can recreate your experience with nothing there, and it's not personal, and it's like, oh, you know, again, like we were talking about, it's designed to co-regulate and you're co-regulating really first. And then you're going out into the world and learning something. And then, oh, something happened and it was dangerous, but you have a place to come back to your, your person that, you know, is caretaking you. Oh, honey, what happened? How are you feeling? Oh, this just, this just thing happened. Oh, you're, you know, tell me your feelings. It's going to be okay. Okay. Back out in the world and you go do your thing and you learn to regulate on your own, but you're regulating from a safe place. That's not happening. You're regulating from an unsafe place all the time and you're trying to figure things out and you, you, that's where hypervigilance comes in and different ways of dissociating because it's just too much and you don't have a safe place to go to regulate. And that's, what's, what really we're doing is, as healers ourselves is we're giving people a safe place to regulate yeah. emotions. And, and now we know, like you said, Peter Levine's work has been around for a long time. So is Basil van der Korps. But the thing that I always put an R in that Colk, it's an L, <laughs> but even poor, just really discovering some of the things about polyvagal. That's where I think we've now like got the last piece. Oh, okay. This now makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and now yeah. we can start to work in different ways with trauma. That's just not cognitive at all. Yeah. We've come so far from the Descartian separation of the body from the mind and that these are yes. all completely separate and, and, you know, and it's, it just, it makes so much sense to me that there is a cohesive inner relationship physiologically. And I mean, I read, we, we've been dropping a lot of names in this one, but, you know, Candace Pert's work on the molecules of emotion yeah. And how she was one of the initial NIH research scientists to actually start to find the physical chemical peptides that related to our different emotions and that we actually have receptors for those peptides and we can get literally desensitized and addicted to those emotional states just like we mm -hmm. would any other substance. And, you know, I remember reading her work when I was in medical mm -hmm. school 15 years ago, mind blown at that time. And now how much more we've started to pull together 
you know, yes. field of study, psychoneuroimmunology, the inner relationship between mind, neurology, and immunology, and then also hormone balance and endocrinology. And I just laugh when we now say psychoneuroendoimmunology. And I'm like, when are we just going to get it's all connected? <laughs> like, we don't have no. to keep tacking these <laughs> words together, but we're, we're almost there. We're getting closer every yeah. day. And for like your profession, that's exciting because there has been this like separation and you're been, you've probably been like fighting for no, 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 no. Yep. And so I think that's, what's great about the medical, you know, mainstream field, seeing these pieces now yep. as from through that research lens, because it validates things that you've known forever. Yeah. But we had to make, we had to be able to make that connection and also say, okay, well, this is how we know it's happening is through yeah. these particular, you know, this is the, this is the pathway and this is, yeah. you know, how it's actually getting transmitted and, and why these things we've known are actually accurate in the body. And I, and, you know, because yeah. some of, some of the work that we've known mental health wise is tracked the whole time, but now we're like, Oh, this is, you know, that under awareness piece is something that makes sense from an attachment part, but also now makes sense from a trauma part, what people deal with when it comes to the barriers of, because everybody wants to be connected. Yeah. But going to tell them to, be, to go be connected isn't going to get them connected. Here's your prescription. <laughs> danger. Have less stress <laughs> and be more connected. Right. Call me in six months, right? Like, <laughs> Okay, would love to, but wanting to, yeah. I can't. <laughs> So now we know ways we can yeah. shift. And, and, yeah. and that's exciting as well, because we're always creating new neural pathways. We're always creating new neurons to the day we die. So that means it's all shiftable. Everything is. So even yeah. if you had an insecure attachment and you're more prone to be shut down, you can shift that through everything you're doing and how you're perceiving things. Yeah, that's cool. It is. Yeah. I am evidence. I have been watching it happen in my life. Like, yes. yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool. Yeah. Gail, I want to talk to you for a whole nother hour, but we're not going to do that this <laughs> <Likewise>. time. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for participating and being so generous with your time and your knowledge and your love and your mm -hmm. spirit. And it's always a pleasure to get to be with you in your presence, mm -hmm. all the light that you shine over here and out to our audience. I'm just so grateful. Oh, likewise. Thanks for doing everything you're doing that you're bringing these kind of conversations out to people because I think it's super important. And I think it's the, our life's work is to feel well and balanced and, and there's just an opportunity for all of us in what you, you do. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Till we get to do all it right. again. Okay. <laughs> Can't wait. Thank you to today's guest, Gail Wilmore for her commitment and generosity. For all the resources for today's show, visit sarahmarshallnd.com slash podcast. Special thanks to our music composer, Roddy Nickpour, and our editor, Kendra Vicken. And as always, thank you for being there. We'll see you next time. Okay, guys, it's 2023. What does that mean? Well, as much as I may want to resist going with the ye old New Year's resolutions, I do find that in January, I have a renewed sense of energy and desire to make some changes and get back on, or just get on for the first time, the horse of health and well-being. Now, in the midst of our seventh season of Heal, I wanted to check in with you, my audience. What do you need now in your healing journey? What are your goals? What are you struggling with, dealing with, or even resigned to that you don't think will ever change? What has been there lingering in the background that you just don't want to drag into yet another year? I want to hear from you. I want to connect and be sure that we are delivering on the topics of information and inspiring stories to support you in your healing journey. When Kendra and I first crafted the idea for Heal, it definitely came out of my personal desire to put as much goodness and possibility of health and healing out into the world. And I'm not actually here just to entertain you. My true heart's desire is that this show makes a difference in your life and supports you to take action to live health and heal. 
Also, I want to be sure that you know, I have a comprehensive deep dive medical health consulting practice where I meet with my clients virtually from all over the world. And I have room for you. Many people ask me if I'm taking new clients. And while I love that y'all think I'm book solid 100% of the time, actually, I want you to know I am available. I offer a free 30-minute exploration conversation to anyone interested in working with me to learn more about each other and how my approach may make a difference for you. Commonly, I work with people dealing with hormone issues, gut and digestive issues, chronic fatigue, autoimmune disorders, mold toxicity, chronic allergies, migraine headaches, insomnia, and people who have dealt with chronic anxiety and depression looking to support their body's biochemistry in addition to healing their emotional and mental challenges. While that may seem like quite a list, most of those diseases are connected and disorders are connected. So we will bridge the gap to bring it all together to elevate your health and your well-being and get your life back. I have a deeply intuitive and scientific-based approach. Yes, both. I bridge the worlds of coaching, spiritual energy healing, and doctoring to bring you the best tools you need to get your life and your health back as efficiently and effectively as possible. The early months of the new year come with an increasing light each day, bringing new vision, new motivation, and new energy. As the seeds you planted last summer and fall, deep beneath the soil are slowly waking up and gathering their power to sprout new futures this spring. This is the perfect time to take new action and create health and a pathway to healing. I'm here for you. If you have felt called to find out more about the possibility of working together, please reach out on my Connect page of my website, sarahmarshallnd.com, and let's talk. Also, please contribute to the show with guest ideas or topic ideas or how-to guides or whatever it is that is going to make a difference for you this year in 2023. What do you want to learn about? What do you want to know about? What are you dealing with? You can shoot us an email on that same page of my website, sarahmarshallnd.com slash connect. I love you guys. Heal wouldn't exist without you. Thanks so much.